0: Morning, morning. It's actually um, really good, really good to see faces in front of us again. Um, if, there's a few people who've walked in since we first started. So welcome, welcome to those people. Um, welcome to refresh. Um, hope you hope you have a really really great day here with us. Wasn't me. <laughs> All right. Um, this morning, Simo started off our, our morning with, um, with a, a Price is Right game. Now, I just want to make sure before we start, before we go any further, now if you are in high school, so I'm sort of looking over here, there's a few high schools, if you're in high school, do you know what the Price is Right game is? Yes, okay, so it's not that old. All right, well, it is very old because it, it was on when I was a kid, okay, so that's a while ago. So I just wanted to make sure that you still understood what that Price is, Price is Right game was. Um, and if you if you look at this board up here, you know this was, as Simo was saying, this was the this was sort of the end the end game of that the end game of that that TV show. Just put it in this, into the light there a little bit, and uh, and obviously it, there was a lot of emotion that was attached to to that game when when it was played on telly. And and I guess one thing about it was that, and I guess like any good game show, not that I'm really any expert at all in that area, but it it had this way of drawing in the TV audience as well. Um, and that's, I guess, you know, it has to be able to... And sort of, so if you're sitting at home playing, you're like, no, 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 you know, you'd be trying to tell the TV or the people on TV what to do. Now, the reason I know this, because when I was at uni, because I did it maybe, um, let me tell you the story. Um, when I was at uni, I shared a house with two, two friends, two mates, and uh, in, our, in our lounge room, there was a TV in the corner, and... There was a couple of old, dodgy old lounges, because that's sort of what you have when you're at uni. And then there was a mattress on the floor that was permanently there as a pseudo lounge. All right? So someone was always laying on the floor watching TV. And then we had what we called the sloth chair. And that was like this big armchair where we caught off and that was occupied as well um, by one of my mates. And at about 5.30 or whatever time it was in the evening, the price is right would be on the game. All right? And you're thinking, okay, there's a house, three blokes, and the, te- the price is right is on TV, which is, you can work that out for yourself, whether that's sort of a, a weird thing or not. Um, but they had this thing that, you know, you, you, this people would take a keen interest, uh, you know, it was a popular show for quite a while, a keen interest in, in just knowing the everyday, the prices of the everyday items, uh, that, you know, whether it was from washing powder to, you know, to a holiday to a new car or whatever it might be. and And people would you know, obviously contestant, if you won, you know, if you got all the things right, I think it was, you would actually take home all those prizes and, you know, like I said at the start, there was a lot of emotion and, oh, what if, maybe, if I can, if I got it right, then I could have. And there's all this, I want stuff going on, right, you know, like, if I get it right, like, and then obviously the disappointment that came with, you know, with failure of like, oh, one was around the wrong way or, or whatever it might be and it's like, oh, man. You know, we're so close to having you know a new car and a holiday and all these things we could have ever dreamed of, um, including the washing powder and the hairdryer or whatever it was. You know, (laughs) like, like you know, and 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 people played along, and people at home played along, and it was and it was like I said, it was a popular TV show for for quite a while. Um, The noise of this world, and we've been going through this series on noise. The noise of this world destroys knowing and growing. Noise destroys knowing and growing. Noise of this world destroys and the knowing and the growing of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's many facets and we've been talking about different things, but particularly what I want to talk to to today about uh, is about money. Now, if you've been to refresh since the start, uh, which we've been going for a couple of months now, two or three months, you're probably thinking, oh Neil, don't start talking about money, you know, we only just sort of got going and there's sort of a few people coming, we don't want to send people away, we don't want to like, like, you know, <laughs> you know, sort of send them off or, or, you know, sort of put a barrier in their way. But I want to talk about money. And if you're just here for the first time, you're probably thinking, oh, is that all I ever talk about? You know, churches always want money. I want to try and shift the paradigm a little bit. I want to try and, and maybe put a little bit of a, a, a spin on it or, or a different angle on it that might be able to help us understand the biblical perspective on money and particularly how Jesus viewed money. Uh, because in my, like, well, biblically and certainly in in experience that I've seen, this sort of stuff gets in the way of our relationship with God, particularly us, and I'm talking us, I'm talking the whole society, I'm talking all of our community, we seem to, like, just, if only we could have just that little bit more, we'll be happy. If only we can have just that little bit more, um, then then we're going to be content and, you know, and life's going to be good. So why do I talk about money? Just as, a, as an introduction, I just want to read something. This is not going to be the main passage we look at today, but as a bit of an introduction, I want to read something out of Matthew. Uh, and this is Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is talking here in Matthew 6, and he's talking about storing um, or hoarding wealth. And he's saying, basically, said, he's basically going along, he's saying to people, don't, don't do it. Don't hoard up wealth. Don't, don't just focus on you know, getting more and more stuff. And, and he goes as far as saying, uh, in, verse, in verse 21, he says, because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Because wherever you spend your money, that's where you're going to be focused. And if your focus is about, if the major focus in your life is about, how do I get that little bit extra? And you, and you sort of think, well, if I, if I you know, had a, just a, a, a newer car, or if you had a, a bigger house or you had a car if you're a student <laughs> or if you had um, you know like oh they're not then it'd be all right then they would not be happy and he says if you start if you con if your life is concentrated around getting stuff he said that's where your heart's going to be also and he said don't want that we don't want your heart to be following after wealth. and he goes on to say in that same passage in verse 24 a little bit later he actually says he says, "No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other." And he says, "You need to make a choice. No one can serve two masters." Then he goes on, "This is an interesting line. And once we'll, we'll read this and then we'll move on a little bit. But he says, "You cannot serve both God and God and what?" You'd think maybe you can't serve God and the devil, you can't serve God and, you know, some sport or what. you said, no, no, you can't serve God and money. Because here, Jesus knew that the biggest obstacle, or certainly one of the biggest obstacles in our way that separates us from God is actually money. So when we're talking about noise, and this is where I'm going with all this, when, I'm talking, when we're talking about noise interfering with our relationship with God, the noise of... I want more. I want more. Is really a spiritual issue, because if God wants our heart, and if probably the biggest obstacle in getting there is chasing after stuff, then it's a spiritual issue. It's a it's an obstacle that gets in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Stuff. So I'm not here to tell you. I'm not here asking you know for an extra donation at the door or something today. You know I'm not going to say empty your wallets out or I'm not asking you for money today. That's not why we're talking, alright, so you can sort of relax a little bit, you know, you don't have to leave just before I do the final call or something like that, you know, alright, you can just stay, it's okay, I'm not going to ask you for money. But what I do want to look at is how the noise of stuff gets in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ and what we can do about that. Alright, so to start with, uh, what I thought we'd do is, is look for, um, or do a little bit of a reality check, about how how noise uh, may impact um, your life. Answer this question and answer these questions in your own head. Right? Ready? If you spend more than you make in one year, right, now some of you might not make a lot. Okay, I'm looking down here at the students. Um, some of you may work and still not make a lot. All right. Okay, if you're doing the whole Maca thing or something like that. Okay. Others, okay, so you might think, well, I don't earn as much as others and, and all that sort of stuff. I'm still a student or I don't have a job at all. Okay, but, so you just, just stay with me and then there's obviously other people in this room that do earn, do earn wages. But if you spend more money in a year than you make, you could be pretty certain that there's a noise problem in your life, okay? You're pretty certain that you're chasing after stuff that you don't really have the means to acquire. Noise is interfering with your life. If you don't know how much you spend in a year, um, there's probably a problem there as well. <laughs> like, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, um, if you spend more than you earn in a year, there's a problem. If you don't even know how much you spend in a year, well, that's probably a problem there as well. If you don't care how much you spend in a year, um, there's a noise problem, uh, just chasing after stuff. Here's another one, if you owe more on your car than your car's currently worth, there's a noise problem. Because you never really intended, like, to buy a car and put some finance on the car because, yeah, no car need, I didn't have the cash at the time, so you put finance. You never intended to three or four or five years down the line go, oh, I've got to sell my car, I can't because it's actually, I owe more than it's worth. Like, you never intended to do that, right? So there's a noise problem. There's, there's, something's going wrong when, you know what I'm saying. If paying the minimum on your credit card is something that you regularly do, only the minimum, then there's probably a noise problem. If you think paying the minimum on your credit card is good financial planning, <laughs> there's probably a, there's probably a noise problem. No? Um, noise destroys knowing and growing. If you don't know where your money goes, you know, like sometimes you think I earn this much and I get to the end of the week or the fortnight or the month or whatever it is, and I go I don't know where it's gone. There's a good chance there's a noise problem. This is like where did it all go? And you know, and for, for, like I said before, with the students in the room who might not earn any or much at all, um, you're thinking, oh man, I can't wait till I'm an adult, I can't wait till I finish uni, or I can't wait till I get a real job and I can start earning, you know, money just like my parents. And your parents are going, man, we don't earn much, you know, but like it's all in perspective. If you make, and this doesn't apply to the students down the front here, but if you make more than $78,000 a year and you... Have financial pressures, there's a noise problem. And hang on, you might go, oh, hang on Neil. Hang on, this is getting a bit close to the bone here. I'll tell you why $78,000 is the average wage for an Australian. $78,000 Australian puts you in the top 1% of the richest people in this world. If you earn more than that, then you could fairly safely say there's a good chance. There's a noise problem because you are one of the wealthiest people in this, on this planet, by far. Which makes you powerful because you have wealth. Uh, you might go, you know, like, whoa, 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 you know, like, what's that? It's true. That's how it is. 78,000 average wage of Australian. Probably like, more like in the top 0.3 of the world, richest people. Wow. And if you still have financial pressures after that, then maybe... Maybe there's a problem there with the noise that's going on around us. Um, it's interesting to think where these pressures come from. You know, you thinking because, like, there's no doubt at all. I actually worked with a, I had a mate, a good friend who uh, who worked, be- had a work colleague, and he earned in the vicinity of say 300 was two to three hundred thousand dollars a year. Now, to me, that's just like, whoa, boy, mate, you're kidding. Um, that's a lot of money. And you know, if I had that much money, I'd, I'd give it all. I'd give half it away. I don't need all that much money. But this, this work colleague, of my friend, he, um, he'd come to him at the end of the week and say, oh, can you lend me 100 bucks till next pay? And just thinking, yeah, can you do that? Like, wh- like, who does that? Like, you know, where does that come from? But his lifestyle adjusted to his income. Or really, probably more so to the point that his, his lifestyle pushed his income. Like, he kept looking for a better lifestyle and his income couldn't keep up no matter how, how, how much he earned. And the w- same way as we look at that, then often there would be people in this, in this world, in fact I went to a, um, a World Vision uh, called a Global Leadership Con- uh, Convention this week, um, took some high school kids along and um, learned about what their World Vision's up to and the different things and different, different projects and, and a little bit about you know, third world countries and all this sort of stuff. And, and, and to see the reaction of, of, of the kids who realise that even a job at Mac is a few hours a week Probably earns them more money than an, than an adult would in a in a whole year, um, in a place like a Rwanda or a, you know a third world country. Um, the fact is that that we are so extremely wealthy, but yet the financial pressures keep just seem to hit us. And like I said before, the reason we're talking about this, it's not because I'm trying to give, not because I'm a finance guru and I'm telling you how to get out of trouble or I'm trying to you know set you free from all your from all your financial woes. No matter how much you earn, and I sound like some. You know, like some pyramid salesman or something like that, or some you know, some shonky finance advisor who's about to take all your superannuation. But it's because it's a spiritual issue, because where your heart is, uh, sorry, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be, and God wants God wants our heart. If you um, if you're making financial decisions that you don't want your spouse to find out about, then you're uh, probably, probably got a noise problem. Uh, it's interesting, you know, like where, when, we, um, when we sit down and when we start thinking about where does all our money go, uh, often I guess in some ways um, we're asking a wrong question. Often we ask the question of how do I get more? How can I get more? How can how can my job, or how can my you know my career? How can I sort of leverage whatever it is to actually get a little bit more, so I can have a, so I can just sort of get those extra things, so I can get those, you know, the bigger cut Like here's a classic example. If you're a student, say so back or put yourself back in the day, if you you know if you're if you're grey hair like me or something, or you know you guys down the front here, think of the first time when you first got an iPod, or something like that, right? You know, but there might have been you know, for some of us might have been, you know, a couple of days ago, might have been months, years, whatever. Imagine you first got your first iPod, and you're like, maybe for Christmas or something like that, and you mum it, and you've gone, awesome. You know, I've got, I've got this, like, shiny new electronic device, and I can load, like, at least, you know, back in the day, you could load, like, maybe 50 songs on it, and you're excited about that. Um, and, you, and, you, and you're really excited. And you had it for a while, and it was good. And then after a while, you, you looked around, and all your friends had mobile phones. And so you thought, oh, man, I want a mobile phone. You know, and I could put my, f- put my uh, music on that as well, and I could ditch the old iPod, and I could have my phone, and that would be exciting. And so you started thinking about, right, what's next? And so eventually you've you got your own phone. And I don't, know, I don't know where you stop and start with all of this, you know, the people that are sitting here this morning, but, but eventually, and then you think, well, I've got a phone, and, and the next thing you start thinking, oh, maybe a car. If I had my own car, you know, then I could get mobile, and instead of just ringing people, I could actually go and see them face-to-face, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so you get this dodgy old car, this beat-up old thing, you know, and... Um, but you're excited because you had your own car. But then you look around and everyone else has got better cars and a few years later and, and you think, oh, I need to update this car. It's not that, I mean, the old one still works, but you know, there's a few things going wrong with it and you sort of justify it and I need a new car. And so you go and buy a new car. And then you think, well, I need a, you know, you need a house and you need a, and you need a, and it just keeps going up and up and up. And as you earn more, you need more. Well, you think you need more. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where your heart is. You keep, you keep, your heart keeps just wanting that little. I mean, it's not, not, I'm not here telling you that if you earn money or if you are rich, you, you know, you you got problems with God. Not, not at all. But it's connected. That, that issue of chasing finances or chasing stuff, and God, is connected. It's you can't separate it. And God, and God knew that. Jesus knew that when He said, "Where you put your, where you put your money, that's where your heart's going to follow." All right. I want to, go to, um, I want to go to a passage in Luke. If you've got your Bible, Luke chapter 12. And this is a parable about... It's often referred to as the, um, the rich fool. And before we start reading this, this passage, I want to ask the question, instead of, instead of asking ourselves... Why don't I have more? Why don't I have as much as? Or why can't I get as? Or why can't I have what they have? Or why can't I drive what they drive? Instead of asking ourselves the question, why can't I get more? Maybe the better question for us, particularly in a country like Australia, where we are, comparative to the rest of the world, we are like incredibly rich, incredibly affluent. We have so much stuff wonder if we could ask ourselves a question instead of why don't I have more maybe we could ask ourselves a question why do i have so much now right now you might be thinking oh man i'm only a student i don't have much at all right or you might be you know you might just be average wage earner and you think mate there's plenty of people out there that have way more than i do but ask yourself the question instead of why do i instead of why don't i have more ask yourself why do i have so much let's keep that in mind Luke twelve. Jesus is um Jesus is talking to a crowd, and someone pipes up from the crowd and and he says this. Luke twelve, verse thirteen. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay, fair enough question. And then the reason he brought it come to the to, to Jesus because sort of the rabbis, they, they were sort of bit of judge and jury, and they used to arbitrate on these sort of issues, and they used to say, you know, sort things out. So this guy's thought, Jesus seems like he's a, he knows what he's talking about, he seems like he's a wise guy. This, this random comes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So obviously he's having a bit of an argument with his brother about the inheritance. Probably not the first argument that's ever happened over inheritance, probably not the last. Okay, it happens still. Uh-huh. So, he, so he comes to Jesus, he says, Tell my brother, tell my brother to, to, to do what's right and and do and in, and divide the her- inheritance up with me. And Jesus replied, verse 14, Man, who appointed me judge or arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, so then he's turned around to everybody, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of abundance, in abundance of his possessions. Hang on a minute. This guy comes up to Jesus and he says, just please tell my brother to divide my inheritance just please help you know tell my brother to be fair and Jesus turns around and says he's greedy like, that's, that's not greedy like, that's just fair right like how does he get greed out of that question and Jesus turns around and says be on guard against all kinds of greed a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions in other words he says he's, a man's life is not defined by what he has and Jesus turns this 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 guy is just like, whoa, hang on a minute! <laughs> like I'm not I'm not here to be greedy. I just want what's you know what's mine. I just want what's fair here. And Jesus turns around and, and basically says, greed. Where did that come from? And then he goes on. And then he told him a parable. He says, uh, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Okay, so point here: the ground of a certain rich man. Okay, so he's already got enough. Okay, he's already he's already rich. He's already got extra. If he's, if he's rich, it means he's already got an abundance of stuff. So, he's, he, so the ground of a rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He's got a problem. So he's already rich, and he's just had a good, he's had a bumper crop, he's had the right rains at the right time, and he's done all the right things, and he's got a good crop. And he's going, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He's like, man, all my, all my barns are full, he goes on then he said this is what I'll do I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods and I'll say to myself you have plenty of good things laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be merry so he says all right so this poor bloke has a bit of a problem you know he's already rich he's already got more than he needs but he's got an issue so poor bloke you know heart goes out to him all that sort of stuff he's got a he's got an issue so he says all right this is what I'll do I'll pull down the old barns I'll pull down my old sheds and I'll fill them up I'll build new uh, new and bigger ones and I'll put all the crop in there and I'll fill up my new sheds and my new barns. And he said, then I'll, then I'll have enough. That I'll have enough for the future. It's security. It's, it's, um, you know, it's good for my family. In fact, if he was alive, today this is a parable, it's a made-up story that Jesus was just talking about, but if he was alive today, if this was a certain person that was alive today, you'd sort of think, well, that's a wise thing to do, Right? because that's, you know, that's good financial investment. You know you, if, you, if you've got some extra stuff, then put it aside and you can make sure that your, your future is secure uh, and that your future is, um, you know, your family's future is in the right place. He says, I can just take it easy, I can relax, eat, drink and be merry. I can, I can enjoy the, the fruits of, of my good crop here. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. Yeah, here it is again. Is this like, what? what are you talking about, God? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, isn't this blake doing the right thing? Isn't this like, wouldn't he appear on the cover of some financial planning magazine and saying, look, this is how you do things. If you get this extra, then you need to invest wisely and blah, 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 set yourself up for future, all this sort of stuff. He says, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Again, it's a made-up story. But it's a, par- it's a parable. But he says, tonight, your life's over. Who's going to get it then? Well, someone else. Why? Because you're dead. <laughs> he says like, And basically Jesus is saying, your life is not defined by what you have. And just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't mean you're going to live a long time. And just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't mean that you're going to be happy. Just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't relieve you from financial pressures. Because we keep chasing after more and more and more and the pressure is still there. What if we ask the question, why do I have so much? Is it possible if we ask that question, why do I have so much? Isn't it possible that maybe we could actually relieve ourselves no matter how much we earn of financial worries? Verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Why do I have so much? Why has God given me extra? Why, why is there an abundance in my life? Is it See, this, this guy's presumption was that that extra that God gave him, that extra good crop, he was already a rich guy, but that extra good crop that God gave him was for him. He thought, right, beauty, I've got extra. I'll put it away in a shed and it'll be good for the years to come. But Jesus turned that around and turned that on its head, and he said, "This is how it will be with any with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God." This guy wasn't living for God. This guy was thinking about himself. This guy was thinking, "Why do I have so much? Well, it's all for me." That was his presumption. But he's but but Jesus is saying, "No, you know what? It's actually why, uh, extra stuff has been given." To help God out, as we as we think about our what we do, as we think about the the finances that we have, um, the things that are laid in our possession, what if what if we presumed that the extra stuff that we have now, no matter how much you earn or don't earn, or you know you think oh, I don't earn, I don't, don't earn much at all. Now, how much we do earn or we don't earn, what if that extra stuff that we have, that we don't really need, what if we presumed it wasn't for us at all, but in fact it was for God? How different would that be? Now, if I had... I haven't got it, but if I had... um, I was actually going to grab a couple of chocolate chip cookies from over in the uh, cafe, but they all went, so I didn't, I didn't get there in time. But let's say I had two chocolate chip cookies right here, and, uh, and I had both of them, they were both mine, and someone came up who, who didn't have one, and I had two. What, you know, from, from a little kid, you've been taught to do what? Share, right? You know, because that's what you do. Like, you know, if you've got two, I've got none, Right? Okay, if, from the time you're like this big, it's like share, 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 share. Everything's about, you know, you've got to share, you've got to share, you've got to share, you've got to share. As little kids, that's what happens. I mean, you know, and if they don't share, it's like they get into trouble. Like, you know, it's a very important principle that we like to live by. You've got to share your toys, you've got to share your stuff. If someone's got, you know, if you've got more and they've got less, you share. That's a good principle to live by. But then as we grow up and we become adults, it's sort of, I don't know, In all honesty, it it seems to, like, become more and more about me. And if we really were honest with ourselves, how much of our wealth do we share? Like, really? A little bit? A lot? None? I don't know, know, maybe there's different people in this room that, you know, that's all right. But ask yourself the question, how much do we really share? Because if we keep, if if we presume, if we take the presumption of this same bloke in this Bible in this parable that we just read about where he presumed that everything that he had was for himself that the abundance that when he got more, that meant that more was for him but here Jesus was pretty clear, he said that um, you know, it's all going to go pear-shaped if you store up things for yourself but are not, too rich, not rich towards God and, and if I had two chocolate chip cookies and I had someone come up and you know, I said well, you don't have any but Look, I'd love to give you one. I'll pray for you, and make, you know what I'm saying. Like, but I might want one this afternoon. Um, you know, like, I, like I'm. I don't want one now, but maybe I will need one later. Like, you know. Go and work hard. You know, and, and God will reward you. Like, you know what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it's just seems wrong, not to share. But yet, in our own personal finances, because no one really knows how much we, you know, like we like to keep that pretty close to our chest. Then we then we like to say, you know, like. This is mine. I don't. I, you know that talking about finances before talking about and again i 'm not here to try and put guilt on you, but it 's more about you know when we actually look out for others and we actually give to others, and we can break that cycle of you know what I could have had more, but I chose to give to someone else, all of a sudden, those financial pressures have just been relieved. You think about it if you give if you give to someone else who has less and you think, well, I could have had a new or I could have had a a better, or I could have bought her, whatever, but you thought, you know what, but I've chosen not to because I've helped someone else who had so much less. All of a sudden it's like, you've just been freed. You really have been freed. Now, I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe you're thinking, no way, man, I need more. I don't know. But chasing after the next thing, sort of you, your income tries to chase your lifestyle and you're sort of not content until you think you got the next thing. And ultimately, if you're doing that, as Jesus says, if you're doing that, that's where your heart is. And it's not like, I'm not sitting here saying that we want something from you. You know, like I said, we're not asking you for money today. That's not the reason why we talk. We don't want something from you, but we do want something for you. I would love for people to be able to walk away from here thinking that there's there's an alternate to the financial pressures that often we find ourselves in. And sometimes we we find ourselves in places where, where we just get overwhelmed with, with debt because we sort of spend everything that we make and then we borrow more to get to where we, need, we think we need to be. I'm not saying borrowing anything's bad or anything like that either, but I'm just saying sometimes it can get on top of us. And we're just like, you just keep trying to get the next thing. People around us have it, so why can't I? But what if what if we could relieve every single person, no matter how much you earned, of financial stress, that'd be awesome. What if you could be content with what you had, no matter how much you had? And by giving that extra, by sort of asking that question, why have I got so much, turns, turns the whole scenario around. It's like, what am I going to do with that extra that I have, what am I, who can I help, how can I help someone else who has much, much less by just giving a portion of what I have? And all of a sudden it's like, well, you know what? I've chosen to live. I've, I've notched my lifestyle back a couple of pegs and I've chosen to live like this and I no longer chase after. I want you to imagine that um, that I had a, had a magic pill, you know, a magic tablet and a glass of water and this magic pill was pill that once you took this you were completely content you didn't want anything ever again sure you have stuff to live by you have food and all that sort of stuff but you didn't have you know you, there was no like chasing after other stuff you know if someone had a nice car you go nice car but I don't care or someone had a better phone you know the next iPhone or something you have oh, a nice phone but you know I'm happy with my 3s or whatever it is 3gs or whatever you know like years and years ago see it's it's, it's hypothetical okay right. stay with me imagine that Imagine that. Imagine that, you know, you didn't care. Someone, you know, you had old daggy clothes. I mean, not saying you weren't, look, but you know, like someone walked in with the latest fashion. you like, oh yeah, fair enough, but phew, I'm happy with the old jeans. or I don't know, whatever it might be. Imagine if you could take a pill and no longer, never ever again, did you ever wish to be, to be chasing after the lifestyle that you could never have. Imagine how, how relaxing that would be. Imagine how like freeing that would feel. Imagine if I could hand out a, a magic pill that would do that. And if you're sitting beside your spouse, you're probably going, yeah, come on, honey, you go and have it, you know, like, whatever it might be. Well, come on, kids, go and grab it, you know, take two. <laughs> no, matter your, no matter what your income is, by saying to God, what, why have you given me so much? How can I help someone else? All of a sudden, it takes the pressure off life. And like I said before, God, it's not that we want something from you, it's what we want something for you. God wants your heart. God wants you to live a life free of that stuff. He doesn't want, I don't want you to be thinking about all that he's saying. I don't want you to be thinking about all that stuff. I don't want you to be putting all your time and effort and, 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 and thoughts into that. I just want you to be completely free. I want you to be in a relationship with me. I want you to be thinking about you know, our relationship, me and you. That's the primary thing. I just want you to imagine what that might be like, and I don't know what the first step is for you. If that's if you're thinking, oh, you know what, maybe I'd like to take you up on that, Neil. I don't know what the first step is for you. Maybe it's thinking, you know what, I maybe I've realised for the first time that I'm in the top one percent of the world's wealth. You know, eighty-five people in this world own more than half the world's population. The top 85, not 85, the top 85 people in this world own more than half the world's populi- half wealth, over the world, half the world's wealth. I say that right? Spit that out. That's you. Like, what is that? Just because we're born in Australia, you know, we can earn average average wage seventy eight thousand dollars a year. If you live in, you know, Indonesia, you're earning sixty cents an hour, or if you live in Rwanda, you're, you know, earning eleven bucks a week or something like that. If you if you if you can get a job. And as I was saying before, as a little kid, we we're all said, share, share, share. But once we get to adults, we sort of think, hmm, it's a bit more about me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so very much that you've given a solution. And sometimes we do get caught up and we get a bit bogged down in in, just looking for the next thing that we can get hold of. And yeah, well, other people have it, so we want it and all that sort of stuff. But maybe, just, just maybe, you could place on our hearts the the thought that maybe we could just sort of get rid of all that sort of pressure just by looking around and thinking about other people. And getting rid of that pressure means that we might be able to focus more on you and think, hey, why, why, God, have you given us so much? Why have you put such an abundant life uh, style in front of us? And, And how can we maybe just even up the equation a little bit by looking outside of our own selves and looking around had others who may have very very little and really really do struggle thanks lord thanks for loving us i mean you know what we have waiting for us in heaven is just an amazing and more abundant than we can ever have here and i just pray that we can both share heaven with you and may be able to share just a little bit more with people here